1: Mr. fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Today, the special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk to our, our intern, Keely Yor, about uh, this USC football team. She's been out at all the practices. We want to get her thoughts on what's been going down with USC spring football. She's been covering the team for, I guess, a year and a half or so with us. You can follow her on Twitter at is my name. She's got some Snapchats and uh, Instagrams and all those things. I'll let her tell you what those things are. Um, so it's going to be a pretty cool show. We have some questions that uh, were sent in, just kind of general questions. We'll try to answer each and every one of those. If you have a question for us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address. You can leave us a voicemail a couple different ways. Call 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or you can go to our website, parasolpodcast.com, click on the left side of the page from your device, your computer, whatever, and you can leave a voicemail. Right from that. Of course, you can go to iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can leave us feedback, a rating, five stars would be nice. Share the show with your USC football friends. Let them know do you listen to the Peristyle Podcast? All right. Well, without further ado, let's bring in Keely. Uh Keely, thanks for coming on, man. What's going on?
2: Thanks for having me. It's been a, a long time coming to be on the esteemed Pear Style podcast. <laughs>
1: it, it has been a while. I just called you man, by the way. So usually it's we...
2: cool. It's cool. It's like a, it's a bro thing. It's, it's a bro. It's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what, how, wait, how long have you been? What has it been about a year and a half or what? How yeah. Long...
2: I, I was trying to think about the timeline. I came in fall camp of last year, but I covered the team for the school. So I've been, this spring marks my, Third year, my starting my third year. cover Coming Okay. The, so how,
1: a year and a half is right. Yeah. Year and a half is right. Okay.
2: For,
1: for, for usafootball.com. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So I think we in the fall sometime, Keely, we had actually, we're going to have you on the podcast. We wanted to get some questions, uh, from the USC football fans to see what the heck, you know, what was going on. They want to know what's going on with <laughs> Keely and, uh, so now you're on the esteemed Parastyle podcast. I can't believe we haven't had you on yet. <laughs> um, it was funny. We were at practice yesterday, and Shotgun didn't even mention. So Shotgun does a whole bunch of stories. He's done a lot of stuff for the site. But people come up to him the one time he was on the podcast, and like, still tell him, like, "Hey, I remember when you were on the podcast. It was great." So you might get a lot of people kind of coming up to you about this.
2: Who knows? It's just, some people come up to me, and it's still trippy. I, it, I just, I'm just your regular college student, and it's weird when people recognize me. So it's funny.
1: You are not a regular college student. You are. I you guess know, not. <laughs> no. Uh, so yeah, follow her on Twitter at Keeley is my name. What? How many? How many followers are you up to now? Do you know.
2: I'm close to 2,000. Wow. I'm like 80 away from 2,000.
1: Wow! Yeah, jump on everybody. Get on a Keeley <laughs> is my name. What did you had like a hundred when we started? I think right.
2: Uh, no, I literally had like 30. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, you definitely helped on that that area of social media for me. So nice. thanks.
1: <laughs> um and then what's your what's your, do you do your other like uh, instagrams and snapchats or all those do you want to give those out uh
2: no? yeah i do snapchat you can add me it's keelster k-e-e-l-s-t-e-r it's one of my nicknames um kind of you can you can see more of my personal life if you want on snapchat and instagram i don't really accept anyone except for like my close friends on instagram so you can try and i probably won't accept you so yeah there's that <laughs>
1: <laughs> all your you're so don't you want to have like a kind of consistent social media name you have like different ones for every
2: i didn't really think about that all the way through but i mean keely is my name started out as like a joke when i just started twitter with like 20 followers but then it just became a thing and i feel like now just keep it consistent i don't
1: know yeah that's fine you got it i i tend to do the twitter a lot but the other stuff just not not quite as much yeah Um, okay so we have okay so we have the questions i mentioned we're going to do some keely questions and we're going to get into People were sent in uh, USC football pre- uh, practice questions from spring football, and Keely and I will both like, kind of talk to you about those. So I was going to do a solo podcast, but I thought this would be a little better. Um, mm-hmm. Just me talking for 45 minutes isn't always the most exciting thing, Keely. Uh, oh, for sure. So we, so we had Tarian, who wrote in a couple questions. Okay. Uh, first one's quick. What is your major?
2: My major is broadcast journalism, and then I'm minoring in sports media studies.
1: Sports, oh, yeah. sport, what's sports media studies?
2: Uh, It's basically like half of it is like the theory of sports, which is like really in-depth and makes you think about sports in the ways that you don't want to, where you're like, should we be doing this? Is it ethical and stuff like that? And then the other half of it is like just really fun classes that USC provides. Like one of them was sports commentary, and we basically went to just sporting events for our classes and it was awesome and that was with Arash Markazi so that was really fun. So it it's it's a mix of like theory and then like doing really fun things that you could only do at USC Annenberg. So it's cool. It's a fun time.
1: Awesome. All right. Yeah. Uh he also wanted to know what was the process to get to work on the website? For example, did you have to compete with other students for the opportunity?
2: Um it's kind of funny because both me and Ryan don't really remember how I got internship. <laughs> I feel like every time you I ask you, Ryan, you're like, Yeah, I don't really know. I think this is what I think happened. Back in the summer before like a year and a half a year and a half ago, Jabari tore his ACL during fall camp, I think, at the beginning of fall camp. And I had quote tweeted you or not quote tweeted you, that wasn't a thing back then. And I had said like, Oh, this is really bad for the team and I was just tweeting about the team and then you DM me and you're like, Hey, we have an opportunity. So I think that's how it started.
1: I but. think so. I think I saw you tweet a couple of my things. It was from Twitter for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you had tweeted, retweeted a couple of things or whatever. And I think, I forget who was. So I would like, usually we get an intern or two and they'll like kind of hang around for a couple of years and they graduate or move on. Then you kind of look for new ones. And I was definitely in that mode. I think when you came along, kind of looking for a new one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she definitely yeah. had to battle it out though. Like, you know, there was, we're not gonna mention her name. There was another intern that Keeley just did not get along with, and they fought and there was
2: That is so not true. Ryan is such a liar. <laughs> that's such a liar.
1: She's no, she's very nice. She would not do that. I tried to start some fights, but it didn't ever work. So
2: You're you're just an instigator, that's who you
1: are. I do. I do like to stir the pot a little bit there. So. <laughs> um and then he uh let's see, he's there one more. Do you get academic wow. credit? for your work on the website or will it only serve as valuable resume experience? And he goes on to say, you're doing great. Keep up the good work. tarion
2: Thanks, Tarion? Uh, no, I mean, it's basically just for my resume. I mean, definitely Ryan has opened a ton of doors for me. So thank you Ryan for that. But yeah, it's just basically to get experience and, and what other experience is great besides covering USC football, because as we all know, it's never a dull moment around USC and USC football. So I've gained a lot of experience covering the team and just being around Ryan and the team. So it's a great, it's a great thing for my resume. So yeah,
1: yeah, and Kelly does a great job. I mean, you can build a real like so people. If you want to be on TV, you need some sort of reel. It's a good opportunity to get a lot of footage for your reel. You know, mm-hmm. practice doing stuff, and then you know I've definitely had a lot of people that were doing like Healy does ATVN stuff. And I've had mm-hmm. people that were doing ATVN, and they're like, "Oh, my video got 12 views," and then they'll do one for us, and they'll do, "Oh, I got 5,000 views." Like, okay, that's better, you know. So it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. The
2: <laughs> the number of eyes on my work has grown from school stuff to USCFootball.com stuff, so that's also a perk.
1: <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Tarek wanted to know, and this will be the last uh, Keely-specific question: Who is the hardest person to interview on the USC roster?
2: That's interesting. Um. I think in general, the hard interviews are the guys who are shy or have cliches because you can't really get anything out of them. If we're going to go into specifics, um, Leon McQuay is really hard. He's really shy and he's not like confident in what he has to say. So he'll just start laughing after every answer, (laughs) after everything he says. So it's not really usable. So yeah, I think Leon McQuay is really hard
1: to interview. You had one with, uh, what? Toa but no was it it wasn't Toa, it was uh Vianney. Oh my gosh. I just
2: did an interview uh on Tuesday with Viani and Toa Lobendon came out of nowhere and just video bombed us the whole interview and then like the other linemen crowded around. I'm basically laughing through like a fourth of the interview because <laughs> Toa is like pretending to direct me while doing the interview. It was just it was mayhem. <laughs> so it's hard when the guys have fun it's like it's nice when the guys have fun with it, but it's also like really hard to actually have a serious interview when they do, so it's a,
1: it's a struggle. All right. Well, let's jump back and, uh, get some USC football questions, Keely. So we'll, uh, yep, let's do we'll it. see how you do. We'll start with an easy one. It's not easy. Uh, Nick, our buddy Nick from Cyprus, he wanted to know, uh, what is the status of Scott Felix and Don Hill? Do you see them back on the team by season start versus Alabama or are they forever be in the doghouse? Any thoughts on those two guys?
2: Ooh, uh, well, Helton reaffirmed in, I think, two practices ago that Don Hill is still out for... He's out for the entire spring. Yeah. He's, there's no update on Scott Felix. But what's hard, though, is that while Scott Felix is gone, Jabari Ruffin and uh who's else on the edge? Uh, Rashim Green. Both of them are making some big progress on the edge. And I, I think it'll be hard for Scott Felix if he does come back to try and get that spot. Which is interesting because he had a shot. Not... He... in. Porter, Porter on the edge, but he had a shot um, to maybe go to his full potential this season now that uh, Sua left, but now that he's gone, now that he's not suspended, but now that he's not there in spring, who knows what will happen with not playing in spring, you know?
1: Yeah, you know, I got to see, I saw Scott Felix at the uh, pro day, he was there hanging out, so that was kind of interesting that he was hanging around. My gut is that you're not going to see either of those guys play again for USC. That's just my, my gut. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll kind of see what happens, but I don't, you know, and Clay Hilton's not been for, for issues like that. It's, it's been about, it's very like high level. We're not going to talk about it sort of stuff. Like sometimes, you know, Kiffin or Sark would be like, well, it was this, it was that, like a little more general, but maybe like it was a personal thing and we're going to do this and he's got a conduct, blah, blah, blah. Like, Helton's like saying nothing, basically. Yeah. It's yeah. like uh, nothing. There's no update. So my, my gut is, though, you're not going to see those guys play it again. All right, let's move on to our next question. We've got John in Chatsworth. He says, do you think Daquan Hampton and Jordan Simmons will contribute considerably more, than, uh, more to the offense this upcoming season when compared to last season? Mega Quan, quote-unquote, as they call him, looks like a taller juju out there and he seems to be making great blocking and catching plays throughout the spring. Uh, Simmons is finally hundred percent healthy and looks more physically mature than some of the current starters. You see either player earning a starting spot come Alabama. Thanks for all you guys do. John in Chatsworth.
2: I think DaQuan has a better shot than Simmons does. Uh Dequan has been looking good in spring practice this year or this season or, and, As far as Simmons goes, there's so much depth on the O-line that – and he didn't – because he was injured in fall, he didn't get that much experience after switching over from the D-line. So, in that sense, I don't think Simmons has that much of a shot compared to Daquan. And Daquan went off on Tuesday about how (laughs) he has more chemistry with Max Brown, how he felt that he didn't get as much playing time or he didn't get the ball as much as he should have with Cody. So – he seems confident in his relationship with Max that he'll have a better shot and a better experience than he did in fall. So, but so far Daquan has been looking pretty good this spring.
1: Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, he went. Yeah, it was check out our Tuesday interview. Shotgun did a story, uh, very interesting of some of the stuff he said. <laughs> Basically, like Juju was getting double teamed and I was wide open and Kessler wouldn't throw it to me. So he probably got a talking to from some of the things he said because he said it to cameras. I mean, it was all on the record, obviously.
2: Yeah. Um, which is definitely something that the USC players are told not to do for right. sure. Yeah, it made. it made so much waves because we never hear that from the players, which is interesting, but it was refreshing because to get that type of honesty from the players, I'll give, I'll give you that.
1: Yeah. And then hell, you know, uh, they've been actually using like a four person rotation at guard and Jordan Simmons has been in there. Um, I don't like, I agree with Keely. I don't think he'll end up starting, but they're going to be probably 10 deep on the, on the offensive line. And, uh, you know, he could definitely get a get you know, get some turns in there. So mm-hmm. if someone gets hurt too, I mean he's got a shot. So former five star. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with him. All right, we have mm-hmm. our I love international questions. This is our, our buddy, Neil in Manila. He says, uh, which of the running backs that seldomly played last year, namely Dominique Davis and Aka Cedric Ware, and then perhaps uh anyone new coming in this year, has the best chance in getting some carries in the coming season? Also, what do you think about the idea of Ronald Jones being a returner in special teams? If Adoree Jackson won't be returning the kickoffs, who will? Thanks and fight on from Manila. And that's Neil.
2: Wow. Two-part question. Okay. First part, I think Akra Cedric Ware, he looks really good this spring. I was noticing he kind of has a similar body type to Trey Madden. He's like a skinnier Trey Madden. And I think if he, he kind of runs the same way as Trey Madden a little bit. So I think if he kind of fits into that role, he can kind of take up what is missing with Trey gone. Um, As far as Dominic Davis, I think he could have a real impact. I think he is also – he's doing track along with spring practice, so he kind of looks overwhelmed during spring. I don't know if you get that, Ryan, but I kind of get that sense that he's kind of overloaded with everything he's doing. Um, But I think we'll see definitely more from Ox Cedric Ware because his production kind of tailed off. As the season progressed, um, as far as Ronald Jones uh, as returner, is that what the question was? Yeah, Ronald Jones has a problem with catching the ball.
1: <laughs> Fair <laughs> so point. So I
2: don't know if that would be the best idea, especially because yeah, they they've been putting guys out like Deontay Burnett and um,
1: Stephen Mitchell. Steven Mitchell, yeah. yeah.
2: So I think I would definitely go with those guys before you put Rojo in the backfield.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you there. Uh, Cedric Ware, I mean, he's, uh, he's kind of a bowling ball bruiser stuff. He's not like huge, but he's, he's more of a power guy. But the Mm -hmm. problem is that Justin Davis is trying to become or has become more of a power kind of guy too. Yeah. So I think they're going to use Davis in that role more. Maybe like, I thought he might have a unique little niche in this offense and kind of take, uh, what Trey Madden was bringing to the table when he wasn't hurt but i mm-hmm. think they're they like justin davis doing that too so i don't know it might be a it might be a two man rotation yeah
2: um, i i think the bigger story is the role that justin davis has kind of developed this spring you know
1: yeah cuz he he's definitely run with a lot of power there and uh, you don't i mean, you don't look at him and think of him as some kind of power back but they you know no. when they do that short yardage stuff they love just pounding him through there
2: yeah, and it's it's definitely different from what we the way that he was used in fall, and I definitely like the way they're using him in spring. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, Neil had another question for you, so we love international stuff. Ooh. There's clearly so much talent on USC's wide receivers, uh, in Juju Smith, uh, Rogers, Mitchell, Hampton, uh, Whitney, Burnett, Emmett Dorebebe, Pittman, and all those other freshmen. All of them can play. How do you think they'll get enough playing time? And who do you think has a legitimate shot of being the the second wide receiver to take heat off of Juju? Thanks and fight on Neil and Manila.
2: Hmm. I mean, the interesting thing now is that T is the coordinator. So he also coaches these guys. So I think, I think if anything, T will figure out a rotation, but if you talk to T about, Hey, there's so much talent on this team, he goes, well, we're also selfless. Like, he says that like it's a team mentality and whoever gets the reps gets the reps. So it's, I think he's preaching like, Hey, whoever is going to get the ball is going to get the ball. Obviously the Hampton didn't really have had kind of had a problem with that, but I think there, it, there needs to be a rotation, but how that will play out. I don't know. And it's, that's the downside to having so much talent is there's only so many spots you can put in them on the field, you know? Um, what was the second question? Was there a second
1: question? I don't think there was a second question, but Uh, I mean, there's who's going to take off. Who's going to take the heat off Juju basically.
2: Oh, okay. I mean, kind of what we saw last in fall, it's up to probably Rogers or Steven Mitchell, Steven Mitchell. If both of them can stay healthy, I think they'll be the number two guys. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Hampton certainly is trying to make a case. Um, You know, Isaac Whitney is back. I mean, there's, you know, Deontay Burnett, he led the team against Cal, I think, with, like, 80 receiving yards and then, you know, disappeared. Uh, Deontay
2: Burnett is such an underdog. I don't know if people pay attention to him, but he has – he can catch everything. Yeah. And he's, he's young. He was a blue shirt. But once he comes into his own, he's going to be a, a force to be reckoned with because he can catch everything, and he's fun to watch in practice too. You know, have you seen it? He just – you lob the ball up there, and he'll he'll get it. Yeah,
1: so he's a lot of fun. You got you got sirens going off over there, Keeley. Sorry, she's over like at USC, you know. So living
2: home. in South LA, we'll do that to you.
1: <laughs> All right, let's move on with another international question. This one's from uh, our, our brothers up north in Canada. Hmm. So Sean says, "Hey guys, great work The last few weeks during the quiet period. I have a question for Ger- for Ryan or his guest. I almost said Gerard for me. That's crazy. <laughs> Ryan or you his guys guest, are one of the same. Yeah, Ryan or his guest. His guest would be Keeley today." Uh, Clancy Pendergast's defense in 2013 was the best and most aggressive I have seen since the Pete Carroll glory days in the early-mid-2000s. He was the most upsetting coach, should not be kept, and I think it was a blessing he hasn't landed a permanent job since. His scheme has proven it works in the Pac-12, specifically against the spread. With the increase in Pac-12 prestige the last few years, the entire conference is deeper and more talented. There likely isn't a conference with as much parity. With that being said... The talent at USC and the talent of the rest of the conference, do you think it's still possible for USC to be the top defense in the conference? I'm hopeful this can be the case. There isn't a more talented defense, and now we have a proven coach and system. Do you think the players can catch on quickly, and we can become that suffocating defense that forces turnovers and doesn't allow many red zone points again? Thanks from Canada, Sean.
2: What a question. Do you want, Hey, you do the podcast of champions. Do you want to take this from a Pac-12 perspective? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I could, And I don't, were you even around for 2000? Were you around in 2013 or no?
2: As a student? Yes. But as a reporter, no. Okay.
1: So you were, that was like your, probably your first year at SC, right? Or, yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. Um So you can kind of chime in and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, uh the biggest issue USC had last year, wasn't the talent on defense. I think they improved the depth. And if you look at the 2013 team, they didn't have defensive depth. They had some good frontline players, but they played when they beat Stanford. They they played twelve guys basically. I think uh like Torn Harris might have came in for like one player. there was some sub that came in for one play. But they basically had a rotation of ten guys in one in another position where they shifted back and forth a couple of times. So they played like twelve players, and they still beat Stanford. There's a lot more depth now on the defensive side of the ball, and I think the biggest difference, the two things. If you look at what Clancy Pendergast was doing, definitely more aggressive. Um, it's more of an attacking style. I think it suits the personality and the athletes on this team a lot better. If you look at what Justin Wilcox did, and I've been able to, to kind of pick the brain of some of the former assistant coaches that were working under Wilcox, you know, since they had left and, you know, just kind of get their thoughts. And, and one of the things that you, you learn is that Wilcox's schemes would change every week, depending on the offense that USC would play. And there was a lot to learn and, and you're kind of, it's more of a read react sort of defense where Clancy Pendergast is more of a, just, you're, you know, you're attacking. It's more, I think it just suits the athletes that USC has better now, like Wisconsin or Boise or whatever. I think when, you know, Wilcox's scheme can work really well, but here, I think you're taking, you're taking some of what make these good defensive playmakers, what make them special. You're kind of taking it away a little bit. And it just, I just don't think that system worked. I do think Pendergast system will work. Um, on the defensive line too, it's a little bit different. You won't get too technical, but there's like a, so a two gap scheme where each defensive lineman would be responsible for the gap on either side of the offensive lineman that they're facing. Um, so you're kind of reading that too and try to figuring out, you know, which, where you're trying to feed, you know, where you're going and, and what you're plugging. And in, in Pendergast, it's a one gap thing where, here's where you go. Just go and get it and do it. And so I think the simplicity level is is much higher. I think the aggressive level is higher and I think overall it's going to help. So they certainly have a shot. Um, I mean, the, the, you look at the teams in the North though. So that just those teams are very talented. Washington, what they were able to do last year on defense after losing four of the top 44 picks in the NFL draft. And it's amazing what they've been able to do. So it's not going to be easy, but I think you can, I think the important thing is this defense can take some pretty big strides and get a lot better this year, just with the scheme wise. And I don't think it's going to be, there's difficulties kind of picking it up for some of these players. It's, it's definitely more simplistic than what was going on under Wilcox. And I think, uh, I, I'm, I'm not overly optimistic on this team in general, but I, I, I think I have more optimism on this team being better defensively, uh, from what I'm seeing with Clancy Pendergast so far.
2: Yeah, I I think that's the one thing that you notice, at least from last year and this year, is it's just so much more aggressive. And I think that was our our complaint last season, is that they had the personnel, they just weren't using them right. And I think, as you said, it it works better this way.
1: Yeah, so Sean, thanks for that one. Hopefully that answered your question. Let's see, we got... Ryan another Ryan so this is Ryan in Long Beach uh quick question do you think having the LA Rams playing in the Trojans Coliseum for the next two years will have any kind of positive effect in recruiting or just on the team in general thanks for the podcast brother it's great to hear a little Trojan Insider every week keep it up and fight on what do you think Keely you think uh, any positive what's the buzz around campus right now with the Rams coming if any
2: um I mean I noticed there are LA Rams stuff in the USC bookstore now so that's definitely a change. But I mean for my generation, I think the NFL left LA like around a hundred days after I was born. So it's just it's not really a thing for us, if that makes sense. So I as far as a student perspective it's it's exciting, but it's also like how excited can you get about something you've never really known. So if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Um but as far as the team goes, do you wanna take that one? I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, I think there's certainly positive effects on the recruiting side of things uh, I mean you see it in basketball where you have the Lakers and the Clippers just down the street I don't think that that hurts when you have former and you know USC guys NBA guys showing up at uh basketball games and I think the same sort of thing on the football side like a T.J. McDonald will be around he'll be around a lot more you know like you know plays for the Rams and Um, now we see NFL guys come back like Leonard Williams is he has been, I think at every practice or, I mean, it's crazy how much he's been, (laughs) Yeah, he's hanging around a lot. He's hanging around a lot. You're like, dude, you graduated. Like (laughs) you're done. Move on. Uh, it's cool. I mean, but the players like that kind of stuff. I don't think it'll hurt. I think it's certainly, if something can help there's, you know, revenue wise, the Rams will bring something to the table. Um, they just announced the Rams announced that they're going to, you know, have temporary, um, it's not training camp. I think it's uh their offices and stuff will they'll be they'll be using the training facilities at Cal Lutheran. And so they're Cal Lutheran is excited. They're gonna build a whole bunch of stuff out, they're you know, build a couple of practice fields. So it I think when a professional team comes in and uses your stuff, it's not gonna get worse. It's I think it's gonna get better, you know. So Yeah. Probably not a bad thing overall, I would guess. Yep. Uh okay, let's see. We got Eugene. Everyone understands that the job of the media is to influence the man- and manipulation – I'm sorry, is to, the, is to influence and manipulation – that doesn't make sense – the views of its <laughs> audience. But at some point, you would hope someone would buck the trend and not carry the party line. All right, but I'm going to disagree. I don't think our job is to influence and manipulate you guys. We're... Yeah, I was about to
2: say <laughs> I don't think that's our job.
1: <laughs> All right, so he says, Coach Helton is the next in line of coach slash politician who spits uh, out the PC nonsense. I think he's not talking about Pete Carroll, just uh, politically correct. There's no <laughs> open competition for the starting quarterback position. Every, uh, every thinking individual knows this. Please stop the charade. Every article I've read about the battle always makes reference to quote-unquote runner Max Brown or veteran Max Brown or job to lose Max Brown, yet it's an open competition. Check your site and see the big difference in the amount of footage for Sam Darnold versus Jalen Green versus Brown. It's not to sway public – if that's not to sway public opinion, I don't know what is. Eugene. And to be fair, I think Eugene sent this in after I put up highlights of Max Brown from practices a couple weeks ago. But then I put up highlights of all four – I mean, I put them all up. I just put Max Brown's up first because he's getting the first team reps. But Eugene's not happy. I think he might be a San Clemente guy like a Sam Darnold fan. (laughs) Those Orange County guys don't like to see uh, non-Orange County starting quarterbacks. But what do you think about the competition, Keely?
2: Um, I mean, for me, I think at this point you should just call it. Helton talks like it's it's Max Brown, and we all kind of know it's Max Brown, but no one's really gonna say it yet, or Helton's not gonna call it yet. Um, for me, just personally, I don't think if you if it's clear to everyone in the room who the quarterback's gonna be, I don't think it's healthy for a team to have that competition go longer than it needs to be. Um, just. Being on a team myself, it causes division, whether you want to admit it or not. And so I think you just need to have a clear leader of the team. And if, if you know it, why drag it on? You know what I mean? So for me, I think Helton should name Max Brown the starter because it's pretty obvious that he's going to be the starter.
1: Yeah, and, and and like, I mean, we're not trying to manipulate. I don't care who ends up starting. Like, we're, I'll tell you who I think has looked best and who I think should be the starter. doesn't always, you know doesn't always mean anything but we'll just we're gonna watch and and well we can watch when we're not blocked by all the prospects yeah and kind of tell you what we think about what we're seeing out there but it is true I mean Max Brown has been getting every starting rep though in the scrimmage uh there was a a series that Sam Darnold got where they kind of sat Max Brown down and Sam Darnold ran the first team offense and they scored a touchdown and then Jalen Green got to come in and kind of run the second team so they kind of move those two guys up the pecking order and uh Darnold looked great the problem is I think Darnold can be a really special player. Um is it enough to Trump how long Max's been around? I mean former five star and he's, he's got I think he's gotten better every year he's been around. Um I'm just not sure it's enough yet, but I I think there's real I mean I think there's a, there's an actual competition going on, but it's there's a clear, you know, there's a clear Darnold has to jump ahead of him somehow and I just don't think that's happened yet, at least in the mind of the coaches.
2: Yeah, and, and Helton alludes to that too. He says that Max Brown's ahead and you would expect that as someone who's been here for three or four years. Yeah. And that's kinda loose what you were saying. He's Max Brown has all these years under his belt and Sam Darnold doesn't. And I think that's what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, this is his fourth spring practice. You know, I mean yeah. this is Sam Darnold's first. <laughs> so Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty big difference. And this is funny. So here's my whole theory too. Another there's I'm not going to say there's not political reasons you would also want to start Max Browd. And this question is something I've brought up a few times, Steven, Arizona. He says, if Max is not the starter at USC, is there a chance Kiffin gets him to transfer to Alabama and we have to face him as an opposing quarterback. Um, and I completely think that's, that's possible because he's going to graduate. Um, I think this semester. So he has two years of eligibility left. He can tra- be a graduate transfer. And go play somewhere else. And you don't need anyone's permission. You just go. And why wouldn't Lane Kiffin want to bring him in there? He could win two national championships at Alabama after sitting behind Cody Kessler for three years at USC. But I I totally think that's plausible and another reason why you would want to name him the starter if it's close. I don't know what you think, Keely. Yeah,
2: you wouldn't want that to happen for sure. So
1: (laughs) That would be a very USC thing to happen,
2: though. Oh man, don't, don't start it. Don't start it, Ryan. Wouldn't, I mean, would it not? Don't like, instigate.
1: Because usually be so weird stuff happens around USC. That, I don't know if it could get much weirder than that, you know? like Don't, you're...
2: don't challenge it, Ryan. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Just don't test the
0: limits.
1: All right. Let's, uh, we got a few more and we'll let you go, Keely. Sorry. Um, these no are kind of long. Reggie wrote in, thanks for the podcast as usual. My question has to do with USC and their history with five star recruits. I've followed SC for some time now, and it appears that many of the five-star talent recruited USC hasn't reached their five-star potential. Are players being developed at SC as well as they are at other programs, or is SC just getting it wrong when evaluating talent? Secondly, I read a recent story where the tight end special teams coach John Baxter talked about his experience at Michigan, how he felt Michigan had no business winning the number of games they won with the talent they had on the roster last year. Why do teams like Michigan and Michigan State win with less talent than USC supposedly has? This speaks to the question of whether SC is developing their players. Talk a lot about the new coaches on the SC staff. Do you think we'll get the most out of the current talent on the roster? Uh, any thoughts you t- there, Keely? You,
2: you take this one first and I'll chime in. Okay. I'll, I'm curious what you have to say.
1: Okay, so um, I really do feel that it's as far as five-star bust goes, we're not seeing uh, a lot of those. Uh, who's on the roster that's like kind of a five star bust? Like we haven't seen a lot of contribution from Jordan Simmons. Uh, we Max Brown hasn't had to do anything yet, but he's likely going to be the starting quarterback. You're not going to call him a five star bust. Uh, I mean, there's you're not seeing a lot of the Whitney Lewises from before he came from St Bonaventure High School and just you know kind of crapped out. Ricky Town was pretty much a former five star and had to transfer out right away. So um, you know, but he went to another big program. It's not like that. Kenny Bigelow, you know he was a five star guy. Uh, hasn't he, He's been hurt a lot, so it's not really that. But um but you look at what happened on signing day a couple years ago. How important it was for Steve sarkisian to get Juju Smith, Adore Jackson, and Damian Mama like all on the same day. I mean that was that was a big deal. Um, and and Scout had all those, all those guys as five stars. And if you're not saying like. That made a difference. I mean, you're talking guys that, you know, huge contributors. Now, did Adoree Jackson maybe regress a little last year? Um I mean, I, yeah, you could argue that, but I don't think those are like five-star busts. I mean, those are five stars that, without them, I just don't know where this team would be.
2: I can't even imagine this team without Adoree or Juju or Damian Mama. Yeah. That, that's just insane.
1: That was all one day, so if Steve Sarkeesian doesn't have a good day that day, I don't know where this team is.
2: That's a great point.
1: Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, I think development is a, is a, a major, you know, recruiting is one thing. And what is talent? What do you define talent as? Like this guy can run fast or jump high or whatever. He's a great athlete. Um I mean, we see guys that aren't, can't jump as high or run as fast and play for Boise state and beat big teams. You know, it's, it's about developing those players too. And and the scheme that they're in, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of aspects of it. And I just don't think that they've, they've, the coaches have really got the most out of these guys. So that's, you know, job number one to me is developing a lot of the players that are already on the roster. Cause there's, there is a lot of talent here and you want to make them better. You want guys to get better. I don't know if Cody Kessler got better, um, you know, to, from his junior or senior year. I, I, I would argue we didn't. Um, I mean, is that on Clay Helton? Is that on, you know, all the coaching? I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. But, but
2: you also had to make note that no other program has had as many coaching changes as USC has had. I mean, like, if you look at the O-line, Zach Banner's had five coaches now, five O-line coaches. Yeah. How can you make progress as a player if you're having to adjust to a new coach every single year, you know?
1: I mean, it's a great point. And it's hard. I mean, especially in the offensive line, like, that's a that's not a position like running back where you just come in and start contributing. That's like a develop over time sort of position and to have five different coaches in five years. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. And you could argue that it was a very talented offensive line that underperformed last year. Expectations are high this year and people seem to like Neil Calloway. Um, and it, like I said, it's probably going to be a 10 deep rot. I mean, the guys that got going, you got three tackles in the rotation uh four guards you know uh we like what nico Fallow's is doing at center but you still got two top centers out right now i mean there's a bunch of dudes that can come in and, and contribute if this line underperforms again yeah i mean it's just i don't i don't think you're developing the talent really well then yeah all right two more we got john in portland cameron smith had, had a highly touted freshman season what made him so good I know he led the team in tackles, but that is not unusual for a starting inside linebacker. What do you foresee from him in Pendergast's system uh, for his sophomore season coming off an injury? John in Portland.
2: You want to take this, Ryan? I'll chime in. Uh,
1: Okay, so I watched him a lot uh, through the recruiting process. And uh, when when we see them out in the seven-on-seven circuit, like an inside linebacker who's kind of a a run-stopper dude, not always ideal for him because he's covering little scat backs. Like you're doing a lot of one-on-ones, but it's not tackling. It's covering little running backs. And so he worked hard, I think, to try to get better at that, just because we would see him at camps and combines and just don't want to get beat all the time. So I think he really worked on that. To me, what he's, he's very instinctual uh, as a player. He was the, the less, uh, you know, the least touted linebacker coming in from that class last year. Uh, behind the rest of the guys, also Messina, Poor Augustin, and, and John Houston, definitely less heralded, and he had the biggest impact. Like you said, leading the team and three interceptions versus Utah—that was really big. Um, but he's, he, and I, he could have had other interceptions too. Like he dropped some other ones, but he's—he just seems to be in the right place at the right time, and just knows where to be. So I think, and that insight, you know, middle linebacker, a lot of it's instinctual, just being in the right spot and knowing where to go. And he seems to have that down. So, um, I mean, it, he was a huge surprise. I just don't think without without him last year, I don't think USC has the kind of season that they did. Not that it was as great that as people wanted, but it could have been. It probably would have been worse without him in there.
2: Yeah, and you could see that in the Oregon game when you had Uchenna and Buddha there. But I see I'm in a unique position where I also see these guys outside the practice. I actually had a class with Cam Smith, so it, what what makes Cam Smith also so good is his work ethic. He would talk about just randomly in class, how he works so hard outside of practice, um, just getting extra reps, doing more in the training room. Like he works really hard and you can tell by the way he talks about it. So I think that also contributes to it too. Like he has natural instinct, but he also puts a ton of work in off the field and on it. So,
1: yeah. All right. We got one more question and I think this is going to be right in your wheelhouse. So uh, this should be a perfect one to end on for you, Keely. This is from, okay. uh, dan uh class of 1962 he says uh ronald jones iii is constantly being compared to reggie bush which is a fair comparison but he actually reminds me more of jaguar john arnett our usc all-american running back from 1954 to 1956 so you remember him uh, Keeley?
2: oh for sure yeah. i watched him in his heyday
1: <laughs> young trojan fans may not know about john arnett uh yes but he had a unique speed and elusiveness and if he weren't uh, if he weren't banned from playing half of his 1956 senior season when the school was penalized for selling game tickets he would have probably beaten um Jim Hornung for the Heisman trophy that year Notre Dame was 2 and 8 USC was 8 and 2 and USC beat Notre Dame by about 30 points in the Coliseum to end the year but were ineligible for the Rose Bowl uh by the way those were the years when a player could not play on the varsity as a freshman and we had a freshman named uh a freshman team called Trobabes uh, There must be, like, young Trojans. Uh, There was no such thing as a redshirt year, although many great players like uh, John Ferrero had a break in their play due to service during World War II in the Korean <laughs> War. Thanks again for all you do, Dan, Coach Hyde, and Gerard, and you too, Keeley, for a terrific podcast and fight on, Dan from 1962.
2: Wow. I I wish I could just have like lunch with this Dan guy because the stories he has are probably amazing. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's great. Uh, neither of us, uh, even me, even though I'm like,
2: are you sure, Ryan? You're pretty old.
1: I am pretty old, but that's uh, that's I did not get to see Jaguar John, John Arnett play. Um, but Ronald Jones is definitely a special player. And there's a reason why when we're you know watching games, every other tweet we get is why doesn't Ronald Jones get the ball more? yeah because um, he's 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 good
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes he
1: is <laughs> um cool was man. there
2: was there a question that he had asked or was he just showing off his extensive usc knowledge i think
1: it was just showing off his extensive knowledge. just yeah kind of well, talking about ronald Jones. i
2: appreciated it so there's yeah that.
1: that was good yeah there were yeah you know, rules were a little different back then um <laughs> even they were different when i was in school keely than what what you know what you got going on here but uh, good stuff. So, I mean, Keely, we really appreciate you coming on the the show. Give you a little taste of what we do here on the Peristyle podcast.
2: Yeah. You guys put in work. Thanks for having me. I'm very glad to be on.
1: She had a long day of classes today. So it's uh, not
2: even over. I'm actually late for my class right now. Oh, so The I'm sorry. We'll, podcast is worth it.
1: We'll let you go. Tell Hey, I was on the Peristyle podcast talking about <laughs> yeah. Jaguar John Arnett. So if you tell him yeah. that, uh, see if your pre- professor knows what you are talking about there.
2: I think so. It's Felinser. Do you know Felinser? Oh,
1: yeah. Jeff will know. Yeah. Dude, yeah. bring that up. Tell tell Jeff. Well, first of I all, will. tell Jeff you were on the podcast. He'll be like, that's fine.
2: I um, will. I will. That's
1: life experience. And your last question was from Dan from 1962. And uh, that's good stuff. All right. Well, that's well, we Keely.
2: Have, sorry. Go wait, ahead. We have Sam Cunningham in our class. He's going to speak to our class today. So that's ah, pretty
1: cool. I know Sam pretty good. I've, me and him have spoken at a couple different events. And uh, with USC coming up, playing Alabama, of course, him in the 1970 game and all that. So
2: Yeah, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. So he's a, he's a really, really nice guy. So tell him hello. Tell him that, you know, you work with me and he'll be,
2: oh, cool. Sure, I will. You you give me places, Ryan.
1: We, we try. All right. Keely <laughs> is my name. Follow her on Twitter. Keely is my name. I think she owes me a couple uh, video interviews. Um, I do. They're coming. So we'll get them <laughs> up on the site. So check out her work on uscfootball.com. Thanks so much, Keely. Thanks. Cool. And everyone else, thanks so much for tuning into the Parastyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time.
0: estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at com. That's Michael M-O-L-I-N-E Estate.com.